wants to do the intro today, Donna? I don't know. Who wants to do the intro? I will. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Donna and Jasmine Take Adulting. This is a podcast where mainly we talk about our hangups and how we somehow manage to function in society despite them. You know, that is probably the most accurate description yet, honestly. <laughs> um, every time you move, I'm hearing like a really distinct like sound from your microphone. Okay. Okay. That's I'm going to switch earbuds. Uh, well, let's okay. do this live. Let's see what happens. We'll be right back. Okay. Oh, it just seamlessly swapped them. What? That's amazing. Yeah. Fuck yeah. So this is my problem. And I'm, I know you have the same thing because you just got a new phone as well. Yeah. New generation phones don't have a plug. Yeah. What the fuck is that? It's such dumb shit. I was talk- talking about this with Garav and I was like, what What the hell is this? And he, he's blaming Apple. It's an Apple thing because they were like, we don't need ear jacks. And then everybody else followed suit. Like Apple yeah, set the, the fucking trend. And the thing is, is I mainly use my, well, I use my earbuds all day, actually, because I'm working from home and uh, I can just rip them out when someone calls me. Yeah. But uh, mine, because they're Bluetooth, every four hours, they'll start screaming and they'll be like, battery is about to die. No. I see. I haven't bit the bullet for Bluetooth earbuds yet i because so prior to this my second job is a call center arts call center and so i had earbuds and i have to be connected to my phone constantly and my phone connected to them so it was fine however these earbuds caused me to get tinnitus i think i've got a weird fucking buildup of like earwax in my right ear and it just makes this noise constantly now and so and then I started to get like it felt like there was an ear infection starting so like I I was like I can't use these anymore and I don't want to put any more earbuds in my ear because it's causing damage so I got these fucking giant ones but they're on a cord I bought a fucking adapter and Amazon hasn't sent it yet and I'm pretty pissed about that I think I need to do the same because I bought a lapel mic and then I didn't even really think about connecting it to my phone and it came with a, an ear jack and I was like what do I do with this so this is another electronics thing I bought a new laptop it must have been before COVID because someone who was not Daryl was in the car with me <laughs> <laughs> and uh we were at Memory Express and and admittedly, Daryl had done all of the research for me. I, as we've talked about previously, I no longer have any technological capability. I am basically <laughs> a boomer. So all I really use my computer for is playing Civ, which is a very graphics heavy game. And Daryl did all the research. And he got, he's like, this is what you want. It's an Asus, whatever. And so mm-hmm. I go to Memory Express. I pick it up and the, the, the clerk is like, oh yeah you just got the best laptop in the world and it's like okay and then when the manager came over to sign off on the purchase he's like oh man you just got the best laptop in the world and like is this like their slogan is this like their deal but it just seemed like these two separate guys were like this is the the greatest laptop except for the video quality what so so admittedly like i i did not buy this laptop with the intent to dream Skype videos of myself, but apparently it's very pixelated to everybody who has been watching me on my video. 
I'll be damned. Which, you know, it's not a ton of people. It's like, even when I was reading tarot and stuff at the beginning of the, the pandemic, I was doing it on my phone. This was more for like Thursday night Skypes. And we've now got this like system set up where Daryl's got a webcam mm-hmm. that is like attached to my tripod, which is then plugged into his laptop, which we then plug a secondary speaker into because otherwise it's not loud enough. And my God, I am so looking forward to hanging out with people and not having to do IT to do so. Jesus. Yeah, that is a fucking hell of a setup, dude. Yeah. I'm so sorry that it's like video video call with extra steps. Well, he takes care of most of it because I don't know about you, but we don't share pa- like our electronic password. Uh, no, Paul knows mine. He can get into this computer. <laughs> but then he'll know all your secrets and he can delete all your Civ saves. I mean... I'm not too worried about that, but <laughs> it's because like we have two laptops in the house, three, but one of them isn't exactly the most functional anymore. And so one of them is his work laptop. And then that was provided by his company. Right. And then there's mine. And that is the one that we bought. And so it's kind of both of our computer. We do taxes on my machine. I don't know. I mean, like, there's nothing on here that I don't expect my husband. Like, he's not going to rifle through my files and shit. If he's using this computer, it's because he's got something he can't do on his work computer that he has to do. Oh, same. Like, my work computer, I treat like it's just my work computer. I barely like looking at CNN on it. And I know Fair. for a fact that, like, if I everyone does that, what I'm doing... Well, no, like if IT is watching what I'm doing, like they are not, they don't care because um, part of my job is regulatory applications. And I was doing a project description recently, which had a, um, like a social assessment component. And so I'm sitting there all day, just like Googling the closest women's shelters, Googling the closest emergency shelters, like looking up information about like sex trafficking in this certain area. And I was just like, okay, if IT doesn't come to me after today, then they're not watching. Yep, fair. I mean, that's that's a good litmus test. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to use my computer for the call center thing. So it's my own personal computer. But when we're back in the office, which I don't want to do, <laughs> I'm pretty sure IT is watching. Because, okay, so like in this call center gig, we're allowed to do pretty much whatever we want, like in between calls. It's like, you know, fill your time. So a lot of students do their homework. Other people watch Netflix. One particular person would always watch shows on this fucking sketchy website. And she fucking got blacklisted by IT. And they were like, you can't visit these things anymore. And they kept like emailing her and harassing her. And they were like, what are you doing on the internet? You're not allowed to go to these sketchy ass websites anymore. And she's just streaming things. But because it's illegal streaming, there's so much like malware that comes up in the ads. And they got so mad at her. So like they were kind of watching what she was doing. Like she was definitely on the like, (laughs) keep an eye on this one list. Yeah, like we always, we get, or at least this week, we had a lot of phishing awareness stuff in meetings, which I guess makes sense with the 
the Colonial Pipeline Act being in the news. And I don't, like, I don't work for a pipeline company, but mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of corporations are like, oh, shit, like, this is something that we need to be a lot more on top of. It's, it's interesting. I just, I guess because my father is a computer programmer and it was sort of drilled into my head, like don't trust things that get sent to you online. I just internet awareness, safety awareness and phishing is just like, why would you fucking fall for that? (laughs) Like we at, at the call center, um, there's this little fucking thing. Every time an external email comes in, it has now put stop. Think this is an external sender. And it just, Every time I see it, I cackle because it just, how stupid is everyone I work with? It's what it this makes is a me thing think. That everybody's doing this now. And I think it started, there was this hack, we'll say when a hack, it was a social engineering thing um, going around a few years ago where people would dupe the emails of senior people in companies. And then they would mm-hmm. send emails to people being like, I'm going into a meeting, but I need you to be like, go wire money or I need you to buy gift cards and send them or stuff like that. And it, like, I know several people around town that that happened to. So it seemed like for us and our clients at the time, like everybody implemented the system at the same time. Did they fall for it though? Like, did they, they bought the gift cards, they wired the money? Yeah. Jesus Christ. I don't I mean, know. Admittedly, this is like an this is like an anecdotal told by a friend who works at the company who knows this happened to the senior person. So kind of like that. I saw Ferris Bueller pass out at Thirty Two Flavors last night. Thing, right, right. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Interesting. It it blows my mind a little bit. Like I just I don't know. It's you don't wire the money you don't like I, I guess scammers are convincing I don't want to throw shade it just it surprises me. well and also when it comes to work because I nearly got by one and you're gonna laugh because you're just gonna be like how does somebody nearly get got by this I got sent an invoice at the end of the year one year from a helicopter company and uh-huh. I used to hire helicopters all the time for a lot of my field work so I was just rushing through and I was like trying to get to the invoice because I was like I just need to know the PO so I can match it to the project and get this build out and then it was asking me for my login and I was like no okay you've already clicked the link like a dummy but <laughs> just for this to IT <laughs> fuck oh Donna I, I mean at least you clued in at the login part like bravo you know what? <laughs> There's ones that get me that like as I'm just like bah, 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 getting don't get hooked by IT scams. The ones that give me pause, and this is so stupid <laughs> and embarrassing to admit because nobody else is gonna be like, oh yeah, no, this is a legit thing. Anytime they're like end of the world bullshit, like we sent this to you because. I can't even paraphrase it. It's like anytime it's apocalyptic, it makes me go, did this come to me for some sort of spiritual aligned purpose? And then I have to talk myself off a fucking ledge. It's so stupid. And it's not even click this link. It's like, can we send you a zine so that you're prepared for the end of the world? It's just like, oh God, how did they, how did they know? <laughs> so the conspiracy... See, this is the sad thing. Is like I used to be kind of dabbly in conspiracy theories, just enough to just 
I enjoyed them, but now they're no fun anymore because people are batshit. But when I when I receive those things, the same with like tabloids. When I was a child, if I remember one year reading the tabloid headline about Nostradamus, some bullshit about Nostradamus. <laughs> <laughs> the sky was red and we were under a bunch of like forest fire smoke <laughs> the sun was constantly like very very red and I was like it's all coming together and I bought this tabloid and I freaked out for about a day and a half so, like, is it weekly anytime- world news yes it was <laughs> I'm an idiot so as much as as much as I'm throwing shade here but like you know the very plausible IT hooks I'm just like yeah it's the the apocalyptic shit that gets me they gave us fat boy they gave us fat boy I know so really who is the dumbass it's clearly me so I shut the fuck up about being like how are people so stupid when it comes to IT how am I so stupid every time an apocalyptic thing comes up I mean, I, I gotta say, I really enjoy the mandatory IT training because mm-hmm. it is, it's like one of those things where you, you get an email, they're like, you have three months to do this. And you basically watch, or at least for us, um, ours is contracted out of the UK and it's set up like the office. So you watch mm-hmm. a bunch of skits mm-hmm. by corporate actors oh, who no. are trying to learn things like it's the office. It's pretty great. Oh, and then you God. have a then you have a what? You cut out. A quiz. <laughs> we did something similar, but they were not, they were animations. They weren't like awesome actors pretending that they were dumb. I think they were just stupid animations and it was just not as, not as hilarious, <laughs> but there was a quiz at the end too. It was like, what should you not open when you receive an email like this? Yeah. Your wallet. <laughs> Or the link, the link on the email. What should you not do? Click this link. At this point, I just forward everything to Sam. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know who this is, but I am always afraid that I'm going to do that. And it's going to be like some random sub subcontractor that I didn't know was on my project. And then I didn't pay them. And then I ruined them. I ruined their life. I ruined the vendor's life. <laughs> I mean, that's probably not going to happen. And if it does, I think you could rectify it. They'll come back and like keep, they'll find ways to get a hold of you if they have to get a hold of you. Phones still exist. I, I, I feel like actually this is something that I, so I moved from consulting to industry, into kind of industry several, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And when you're consulting, yes, you do approve invoices for subcontractors, but it's almost like there's no, responsibility there because the sub already provided a scope of work so I'm just saying like yeah you are paying you are spending the money that the client said you could spend cool mm-hmm. now I have to approve invoices and even though I have budget even though I have like they're all small invoices within my authority I have this anxiety where I'm just like can I do this am I allowed to spend this I'm like yes you like you put together a project charter you've built an entire project management plan you said you were going to do this thing and that you needed somebody who doesn't work here to do it just pay the damn vendor mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i get that though i 100 get that though it's like this is too much responsibility and if i fuck this up 
like what's the cascading issue like it just seems like your your finger is in some why is that my fucking metaphor your finger is in a pot that it shouldn't be in what the hell am I trying to say um it just it's a lot of responsibility like I felt that way when I was in charge of sending out tax receipts like that was a lot for me and it caused me deep deep anxiety because I was like this is this is too much this is too much I hated that so I can't even imagine the level of financial responsibility that you may be experiencing with this like (laughs) I would be freaked out too yeah and I it's just the most bizarre thing because like it uh oh look at the kitty I, I, I feel like uh, anybody who's worked a corporate job knows this. Like you, you need something from a vendor. You say, here's my, like, here's a request for proposal. They give you a proposal. You say, cool, you want it. Here's your PO. Don't mm-hmm. exceed it. Yeah. Like there's all these rules in place. But then when they finally submit the invoice, I'm like, oh man, oh man. Like wow. all the rules have been followed. And now I have to pull the trigger. It's, there's something about pulling the trigger. That is like th- the responsibility of that is so high. And it feels like, like I said, like fucking tax receipts, sending out the tax receipts <laughs> felt like it was too much responsibility and I hated it. Like there's just something about being like that person that sets things in motion. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is I, I have a lot of friends who are accountants and mm-hmm. they'll be saying things and they're like, oh yeah, like my signing authority is like a million. Or, oh, yeah, I need to, you know, I need to send several, wire several million dollars somewhere. And I'm like, that's terrifying. That is terrifying. I I mean, like, I don't, I'm not in that line of work and probably for a reason because, whoa, that's too much for my brain. Yeah. yeah. And, and a couple of my friends are doing their CPA as well right now. And uh, it is something that I thought about. Mm-hmm when I was in my twenties, so that was back when, back before it was merged into one program, I was looking at the managed, uh, certified management accountant program. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I didn't realize is that even now you still, they still ask you to have experience with things like working at the board level. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe if you're at a big four and you are doing presentations, but even then as a young accountant, I think you'd be an analyst and like, you don't get put in front of clients. No. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, with my, I don't know how much he wants me to say about what he does, but my husband does work for the big four, but not in accounting, like one of the big four. And so I don't even know, though, like I've heard him talk about co-workers who are in the accounting side who are getting their certification, but I don't know. I don't know what's required of them. And he's, he may have told me I may not have listened, so I can't even like <laughs> tell you how they handle the requirement of working with board level I think I think it's it's easier to consultancy because you track hours and and because it's like a very well-known system they must just have like a this is how you get it done and it does sound a lot harder for my friends who are not in in the big four in consulting to get their hours and figure it out yeah but I don't know why we're talking about this because I don't know anything about CPA. And like, right? Like of all things to talk about, now we're talking about accounting. Like I'm an accountant. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Have you Somebody, heard that? 
uh, somebody must find it interesting, but I would like to hear more about this accounting song that you're referencing. Oh my God, okay. <laughs> See, you need to be on TikTok more, Donna. So there's this song that like, I think the guy who wrote it had a little blurb about how he's an actor and like, it's been so fucking sick of um, <clears throat> having to explain what the hell actor, like what the hell his job is. So he he wrote a song about like, every time I'm asked, I just say that I'm an accountant and I work where accountings, accountants work and I do things that accountants do. It's so funny. And then it was used, it was co-opted. And now it means like it's code for I'm a sex worker and it's I'm an accountant. <laughs> it's just the internet I is have a beautiful so thing. It's well, because then it, I don't know, it like it just then as meme culture does, um, it, it just became code for I'm a sex worker, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, it's a great song, and you should look up the I'm an accountant song. Because you, I you think that you would enjoy that. it. Just send it. Just send it to me. I you will know. send it to you. And in fact, it'll be, oh, this is the perfect segue. It'll be in the show notes on our website, which is now live. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Yay. Yeah. The only thing I look up on TikTok is, is Kyle McLaughlin. I, I mean, that's fair. I know how you feel about Kyle McLaughlin. And his, his TikToks are pretty fucking hilarious. So if you're, Friends that are listening, if you are of the millennial and uh, Gen X uh, variety, you'll know what the fuck Twin Peaks are and who the hell Kyle McLaughlin is. He's kind of he's kind of lost on the Gen Zers, I think, that he would interact with on the TikTok. But like our 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 bubble, I would call the police if Kyle McLaughlin was interacting with Gen Z. Listen, they're on there, so they see his TikToks, <laughs> and they don't know who he is. Uh, he's just a delightful old man who likes being chased by a man in a bear suit. Like, it's... I did not expect <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin to have the most delightful and unhinged quarantine TikTok. He, the whimsy that came out of him for TikTok is just chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah. Kyle McLaughlin's TikTok is basically like Kate Beckinsale's Instagram. Right, with the cats. Oh, shit. What episode did we talk about that on? Because that I should think be in the, the show notes. <laughs> okay, I got to go back. So clearly, I keep thinking about the show notes. So DonnaJacklinPodcast.com, little bit of a plug. That's the word I'm looking for, plug. Anyway, um, I launched that bitch this week in preparation for the episode that's dropping in like a half an hour after we're done recording this. Um, <clears throat> so episode four, I talk up the fact that now the website is live. It wasn't live when we recorded it. I was like, I'm going to do it this week. I almost didn't. I nearly put a placeholder that was like, I'm sorry, I lied to you, internet friends. <laughs> because This past week has been cat drama again, continued. And my life is just this is where I live now, underneath layers and layers of cat drams. And so I nearly didn't launch it, but I did on Friday. I got my shit together and there are show notes. And if there's something that I don't link, like Kate Beckinsale's fucking Instagram, you need to tell me so that I can go back in and fix it, internet. Because <laughs> there's nothing more important than Kate Beckinsale's Instagram. Nothing Which actually, more. I, I, I honestly think we're underselling it. 
Because well, every time I open Instagram and I see Kate Beckinsale's Instagram, it's always just so wholesome. And it's either like lovely things about her parents or just cats. That is so beautiful. And we need <laughs> we need a bit more of the light that is Kate Beckinsale's fucking Instagram in this world. Uh, can I talk about cat drams? Do you want to hear about cat drams? Okay. So <clears throat> as as the update, oh look, there's Beck, your cat. He's on camera. No one but me can see him. Sorry, internet. Um uh last week we left off where his tendon was exposed and he got restitched. So on Monday, Monday morning, I go to find him and he's down by the litter box, but he's covered in shit because now he has diarrhea and he doesn't know how to not step in it in his bandages. So I had a poop explosion all over the house. And so we changed his bandages and I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. So we got through, we got through to Saturday. We nearly missed our vet appointment because I forgot that it was 310 and not 330 because my brain is so fucking wiped. I had to take time off work, both things that I do for work um, because I can't, I can't function right now. Um, And so then we got there and they didn't take out his stitches because they need to go for longer because of the tendon situation. And I, I like how you said at the top of this episode, Donna, we talk about how we're barely functional because this is, this is one of those times where I was barely functional. I wept all the way home in the car because I don't know if I can do this anymore. And then I had a meltdown in the house because I don't know that I can do this anymore. Like it's, it's a lot. It's like juggling the fact that his eye ulcer is growing. The fact that he's so angry about his paws being in bandages, only one we can, we can, the front paw is fine now. Um, And he's now, he had chronic diarrhea as a kitten and we were able to cure that, but it's very, it's a very delicate situation. And now he's got chronic diarrhea again and from stress. And we had to switch food about a month ago and it's now not sitting well. And I didn't even get a chance to talk to the vet about the diarrhea situation. Um, so now I don't know what to do and I'm at, I'm past breaking point. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. (laughs) And, uh, we had another poop incident right before the podcast. I nearly texted you and was like, uh, it's going to be about 10 more minutes because I am dealing with the poop that his bum left all over the comforters, the comforter. There's not multiple comforters, (laughs) the comforter and bed sheets this morning when we had to change his bandage because his butt was just and it's raw it's raw because diarrhea and I just don't know how to help this cat anymore I'm doing my best and I'm doing everything that we're supposed to be doing Donna I'm so sorry I'm fucking ranting but it's just so much so (laughs) fuck so last night after my meltdown my husband and I have, proto- this is how I'm going to make this into like a happily ever after how to cope with adulting story, I guess, is like, because I know that things like this can happen to me because of past trauma, because of ADHD, because of like inability to function, <clears throat> CPTSD and childhood trauma. Um, 
this shit can happen. So we have a protocol. And that protocol involves allowing me the space to feel my feelings. Because I think, and from experience, I know that if we fucking fight this when it comes up and like we have things that we would maybe label as tantrums, it's not, it's not good to not allow yourself the space to feel that shit. Um, and so I had a breakdown and I sobbed and I did whatever I needed to do there. And I also had a breakthrough where I was like, oh, I feel bad because I'm not functional. And I feel ashamed that I'm even feeling these feelings because I wasn't allowed as a child to feel the negative feelings. Um, so there was that. And then I had even deeper God awful sobs because it was like, Oh, I'm understanding something about my own trauma. Oh God. Um, and then Paul was like, what do you need from me? And the fun part about these states is that I am so disconnected from myself that I don't know. And I can't answer these questions. So I say, I don't know. And then we have a protocol where he starts listing things as options. And like, I can at least, I know what I don't want when I hear the things, which is so fucking helpful. So in this, like everyone's mileage will vary, but I do recommend, you know, talk communication with your partner about like, there will be times where I hit a fucking wall and I can't fucking function. This happens with the depressive episodes too so we do the same thing um and so one by one we finally were able to establish oh this is the thing that we can do now and it might help but it took even like 20 minutes after paul listed all the things that i was like no <laughs> not that i can't go for a walk because i'm just gonna like walk down the street with the dog with tears flowing down my face <laughs> but Paul, bless his heart, said we could go for a drive. And I love just aimlessly driving. But at the time that he said it, I was like, well, I don't know. And I couldn't really even like get close to it. So about 20 minutes later, after we just kind of sat there with the TV on, I was like, I think I would like to go for a drive and bless my husband for knowing that like these are things that can help me. So we went for a drive last night and it was super fucking fun. And we ended up in like, the Aspen Estates area stocking fucking giant houses. And I got to tell him, Donna, the story of the time that we're out by Edgemont. <laughs> Donna and I used to aimlessly drive in our 20s and we would look for murder houses. <laughs> Which I mean, just houses that like we kind of just were like, oh, that gives us a creepy vibe. Um, that's a murder house. And one time we were driving past this one place that we identified a murder house, but the, they had to walk to get their mail. <laughs> so the phrase was like, you put your murder house in the wrong place. You have to walk to get your mail. And so I got- uh, So what that means, by the way, for anybody who has no idea, um, that means the murder house was located in an area where they had community mailboxes. So instead of having mail delivered to your front door, which both Jacqueline and I, grew up with because we grew up in kind of older neighborhoods um newer neighborhoods have these community mailboxes but then i don't know they were trying to save budget a few years there was, ago yeah there was canada post legislation yeah yeah so they put in a bunch of community mailboxes but then some yep. places will get home delivery very weird because they they were trying to, it, that program got canceled 
halfway through the installation. And my mom was mad because they had just installed the community mailboxes in their neighborhood right as the program got canceled. And she was so pissed off (laughs) because she has to walk to get her mail now. (laughs) Anyway, I got to tell that story to my husband and it was a lot of fun. So like, I'm okay. And we're doing things that are like, even though I am stretched to my limit, we're, we're doing, we're being mindful of like, what can help? How can I do things to just like, take pressure off of myself to be productive in any sort of way while this is happening? Because I can't, I don't have the capacity right now to be outputting the way that I normally would with sleep and without stress and without having to carry the world of like all of the symptoms juggling with this cat. So um, yeah, it's, I think if I'm trying to spin this into a feel good, just take care of yourself, regardless of what state you're in story. It's like, it's about communication with the people in your life to find ways to manage it. Um, And this is, this weird naming things and allowing me to be like, no, not that is helpful because I just won't be able to suggest something and I can't make decisions on my own in this state. And then mm -hmm, go ahead. I I think, I think I understand the place where you're coming from because you also wind up in this state where you're like, I can't ask for anything because I'm Mm -hmm. already being productive. Yes, absolutely. And that's that shame thing. Like the, the thing that I experienced of like, not feeling like it's even okay for me to feel these feelings and to be frustrated by the situation. Like my feelings aren't valid. And it's like, I don't want to continue to be a burden. Yes. That thing, that thing comes up too. communication, man. Communication is like my and my husband's superpower. And it is what makes us fucking functional as a couple is like, we're stellar at that thing. Um, But, and then just, you know, being kind enough to self to recognize oh this is this is beyond what i'm capable of right now and not be a fucking dick <laughs> and that's it's so much easier said than done to not be a fucking dick to yourself about not being able to accomplish what you would normally accomplish if you had capacity um it goes back to launching that website i was like it's not going to happen i have no I have no ability to do so. But then Friday I had like a burst of like creative energy and it was like, oh, my brain says I'm allowed to do this now. Holy shit. So I did it. But had I not had that burst, I would have put up something that said, I'm sorry, I lied to you, internet cat drams. And I would have just been like, exactly, because the, the deadline was just a deadline that I put on myself. Right. So like the pressure isn't actually real but I feel it anyway. Um, So yeah, it's like recognizing where it's me just being hard on myself and being able to basically pry the reins from my clutched knuckles. Does that, I just see an image of like just being like taking things taken away from my greedy little trauma brain. (laughs) I don't know if that made sense. So I'm finding it interesting. And, and this is another thing where often we we have a bit of a yin and yang in our responses. Because yes. earlier this year, um, 
I did have something I was working on. I was working like 16, 17 hour days and it was so stressful. And it was in combination with like, you know, it was winter. We were, I don't know if we were in full, yeah, we must've been in full lockdown then. And Mm -hmm. uh, just kind of like all of these compounding things. And I just became hyper-focused on it to the point where I didn't really do anything else. Like I wouldn't eat all day. Um, I, because of that, like, paradox of choice we just we were getting those food boxes delivered mm-hmm. and so daryl would eventually like at seven o'clock every day like well i'm hungry so i'm gonna make dinner and yeah. even having like these meals that were nutritious and compi- composed of like all of the vegetables starches and proteins that you need i was like honestly just give me a soylent and let me get back to work like i can't even pause to take time to enjoy a meal because like if i take time if i stop to do anything else I'm just going to lose focus and like I can't lose focus Mm -hmm. and that's like that's not healthy either no no um that fucking sucks we all react to stress differently for sure um I've seen you do that in like smaller situations like at I don't know if you want me to tell this story (laughs) give me a hint uh my grandparents anniversary party oh yeah that's a fine one okay there like we were at this giant event for my grandparents I think it was their 50th anniversary maybe it was later than that um and so Donna was there too (laughs) because Donna's part of my family and um it was like there was so much going on that you kind of switched into this mode where you were like, I have to keep focus somehow. And you just ended up like going around the party, just cleaning up. You just like come in behind people and like take away like the, the paper plates that they were no longer <laughs> using. And you just, that's all you did for the party. And I was like, I'm, it's obvious that Don is stressed. I'm going to let this happen. <laughs> but that's not too bad and like I know I get that from my mother and one mm-hmm. of my sisters might be my father's favorite story which my sister then tells is like being in my parents home on a Saturday morning and hearing me like mom what are you doing I'm making the bed I'm in the bed Fuck. <laughs> oh yeah yep yeah. I'm just I'm, I'm picturing this and yeah I can see it I can see it I see where you get it from I think it's connected to like flight response actually it's like do something instead of like dealing with if that makes sense like you you just like you hyper focus and like flight from the problem you like make it so that you're focused instead of with the problem that makes sense yeah and it's kind of like then i've got a thing to do and if I get it done, then it will be dealt with. Yep. But also that way, I, like it, it depends. It's one thing when you're stressed at a party and you don't really want to talk to people. So you're just meeting. <laughs> yeah. And then there's For another sure, thing. Yeah. Like, this is a big deliverable. And if we screw it up, like, yeah, there'll be consequences. <laughs> yep. It's, uh, I totally get the hyper focus. I, I don't have any suggestions. I don't think you're looking for suggestions. <laughs> No, I think it's like the one cool part of whatever's wrong with me. Like, at least I can buckle down and get it done when I need to. 
Yeah, but like also keep taking care of yourself though. You know? Like don't don't get it done at the expense of like your well-being, I think is the danger there. Yeah. Yeah, and like um so so weirdly, I I took some time off. This is a long weekend in Canada. I'm not sure if it's falling on the same weekend as Memorial Day in the States because I, I think know. next weekend is June. No, it isn't. Next weekend is the 30th is the Sunday. Okay, so that's probably Memorial Day then. But uh, it's a long weekend. So I took some extra time off on the, like I took a flex day on either side. And then earlier this week, um, like we we are very, very busy at work. And it's not just me, it's everybody. We had an all staff email go out. And there's nothing more terrifying than an all staff email. Because especially um, for the majority of our careers, oil's been in the toilet. So an all staff email. <sighs> in Calgary usually means layoffs is coming layoffs is coming layoffs are coming um <laughs> instead they sent out an all-staff email and it did start out with that terrifying like it's been a challenging and exciting year and then I skim 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 at the end of like and you get Thursday off it's freebie it's like put that in the header right Christ that's terrifying no bad company bad <laughs> Well, I mean, good, like free day off. And they're like, this is a mental health day. Like, unless it's an emergency, don't work. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting how, like, just everything is, you're just waiting, right? Like, we're so shocked, shell-shocked by the the climate that it's just like, when is it coming? When is the next one? When is the next one? Because, like, even you mentioned last time that the the let's talk with your boss that was actually just a check-in yeah was like holy shit right and I get it like I think a lot of people I I honestly like my age and older and younger like the the entire generation of young professionals working in and around the oil industry and in Alberta in particular probably have a lot of career PTSD yeah like absolutely when I was like when I was consulting, I was seconded to a client company. I made it through three rounds of layoffs because I, I didn't work there. I was just an AFE that sat in the desk. But mm-hmm. there's something about sitting at your desk, getting an email in the morning that's like, stay at your desk until noon. And Ugh. then you, people you saw that morning are not at their desks in, at noon. Or like six weeks later, you open the fridge and you're like, God, why are these lunches rotting in here? And you're like, oh, because people just got walked out without being able to take your stuff that's so fucking crazy <sighs> I don't think I was when I worked in oil and gas I was an admin for about five years um I don't think I was present when some of the first major rounds of layoffs went but that might be a lie I can't remember I was I was a consultant like I was hired through a staffing agency so like I was never on the chopping block the way that my colleagues were um but I do remember when times were very obviously starting to get rough and I'd have this one goddamn engineer who would come into my office which is where all of the pens and the supplies lived and he just like asked me about how busy I was he's this we were about the same age he might have even been younger than me no I think we're the same age um 
but that motherfucker would just be like, so Jacqueline, what are you doing these days? And just fishing for information. And I'm like, listen, son, I never said this, but I should have listened, son, trying to get me fired won't save your ass here. I can guarantee I'm not the overhead that they'll cut. And maybe I am, but you're still on the chopping block, regardless of whether or not you get me fired, sir. (laughs) But yeah, like would come into my office trying to figure out if I was busy and if like he needed to make a case for himself to stay, he was going to try to throw me under the bus. It was great. It was great. The environment was so fun. You were were a monthly invoice. Like, yeah, they didn't care about me. I don't even think you're counted as a full-time equivalent. Nope, I wasn't. Yeah, but yeah like, the oil downturn was brutal in Calgary. Um, mm-hmm. Like there were, like I was pretty lucky that the client I was seconded to was quite humane. Um, but there was another company where people came in and everybody had a company branded bag on their desk and they were advised like anything you want to take home today, put in the bag. Jesus. And you just had to do that regardless of whether or not you got laid off. I am remembering right now, actually, I was there for one round of layoffs. Man, it's trickling back because like the memories, they're all fuzzy from that time. Um, The way that some people knew that they were on the chopping block is because they got locked out that morning from their computer and the IT was supposed to time it so that once they were told they were locked out, but there were a couple of people that prematurely got locked out which is like one hell of a thing. So it's like, I can't get in. I know that I'm fired and I'm just waiting for them to fucking come and tell me. Like, how brutal is that? Yeah. Like, it, it was, it was, a, it was a rough. So like, I think you probably, you were probably in oil and gas for like the, the 07, 08 downturn. Yes, I was. And then I started consulting when everything was Actually, I started consulting right at the peak of the curve because mining collapsed like right after I started and then oil a couple of years later. And uh, yeah, like I honestly, I think a lot of people in this city have so much trauma and PTSD Mm -hmm. around that time, even if you kept your job. Like I have never been laid off. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when when I ended my secondment and went back to working out of my home office I was terrified. I got a bunch of projects that had no budget and I was just, I was like, I'm screwed. So I just started calling around and being like, I can do your job. How I wound up doing a bunch of Ontario stuff, like African stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. It's like, you are always now just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Basically. Fuck. It's not pleasant. It's funny because I'm at a company that's growing so rapidly and that is very busy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm also, I'm not in oil and gas. So even though there's mm-hmm. volatility in the market, when you're not in oil and gas, there's a lot more stability. Yeah. I think that's another thing that came out is all of these people who, like oil and gas pays very well. That's mm-hmm. a, for anybody who's not in the industry or, or very aware of this, oil and gas pays bank, which is why people want to do it. Yep. Um, but part of the reason that you get that high payment is because it's so volatile and they, you could be let go at any time. Like if OPEC opens the floodgates, too bad. Like they're not going to build another thermal generation plant when they don't have to. Mm-hmm. Not a generation plant, that is utilities. They're not going to build another SAG <laughs> deep 
facility if they want me to. Well, and so the other thing, and Paul and I were actually talking about this recently. Um, the other thing about oil and glass, oil and glass, um, oil and gas is that when times is good, they good. And they actually will bring on far more staff than they actually need just because the money is rolling, right? And so you are in a situation where there's tons of people who don't have dick all to do, but they're, co- they're still collecting a paycheck. Like I remember right before the 07, 08, 09-ish shit hit the fan, um, nobody, nobody did anything. Like nobody was doing a lot of work at any given time. Um, I, I remember because the geologists and I were friends because they are more like artistic e people to begin with, whereas the engineers and I didn't no- normally like connect because our brains don't work the same way. Um, and so uh, the geologists, a lot of them were like miserable because they just weren't being given shit to do. And so they didn't have like any comp- like thing to be passionate about. And they just would stare at their windows and just look at the city and just be depressed. Like at least I can think of three different geologists that were experiencing like weird sort of like, what am I doing with my life crisis? Because it was just what, what the fuck was anyone doing at any given time? And of course these people are the ones that were up first up on the chopping block when it was time to go because they were excessive as far as the company was concerned. Um, but like, we'd also just, do random shit around the office like we turned a drafting table into a ping pong table one christmas like we because nobody's doing shit so like we just like and one guy got taped to a chair and just stuck on an elevator once like it was just there was shit that went down and it was because nobody had anything to do so they were just fucking around in the office and some of it was really fun sometimes we had a really fun time but like nobody had anything to do 90% of the time and then they all fucking freaked out when their jobs were at jeopardy because they knew they didn't have anything to do and they were probably going to get cut like it's just so weird to me and then they tell me stories about like all of the lavish parties that they'd have and they they had some bangers when I was there but like nothing like the opulence of like the golden days of oil and gas and like some shit about people being driven around in wheelbarrows and everybody drinking like it just there was a lot there's a lot going on at these parties and they were a lot and they happened frequently back in the day I find that so strange right it's so weird well because also like again um when you're a consultant your utilization rate is your get out of jail free card like you can Mm. be the the biggest mofo in the world but if your utilization rate is near 1.00 like you can do what you want so like I always I've always had a really high utilization rate because I've normally for about 75 percent of my career I was either seconded or like traveling or doing whatever that was just a lot of billable hours yeah and and yeah it, like I I am um, i kind of think from a professional standpoint in terms of rounding you out as an individual everybody should have a couple of years of customer service mm-hmm. and everybody should have a couple of years of consulting because it teaches you discipline it teaches mm-hmm. you time management and it teaches you like how to execute yeah instead of just being an industry and like times is good and you just sit with your thumb up your ass like I was able to like 
spend time a couple hours with this person chatting in the day and then a couple hours with this person my day was just a very social thing I mean I also was an admin assistant and didn't have a lot of things handed to me and I was excessive like you want to talk about excessive I don't know why it's there but you an admin assistant to an executive no she wasn't an exec but I was the admin assistant to the admin assistant she was kind of I guess technically an executive assistant but we weren't that high up in the chain of command for her to be labeled as an executive because he was he was like in charge of three different business units but he wasn't the guy who was running shit so he wasn't an exec so she wasn't labeled an exec that's a lot of middle management it's so it's there's i don't know i will never name the company out loud (laughs) i don't know how they managed to get away with half the shit they got away with so um but it was I was excessive. I was deeply excessive. I was in charge of um, ordering supplies. They eventually taught me how to like map. I can't even remember the name. Digitize. Yeah, thank you. Oh man, it's been so long. But they taught me how to digitize maps the geologists would draw. And that was fun. I really enjoyed that because again, hello, I am an art kid who worked with graphic design and understands shit in Illustrator and like little points little anchor points in graphic design. So I was able to fucking do that with these maps and this other program. And that was a good time. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, I think you would have really enjoyed like GIS and analysis. I might have. Geospatial information systems. So it's the type of mapping that you usually use for projects or um, I particularly like using, liked using it when we were doing like wildlife mapping and you could mm-hmm. try to overlay habitats. But um the thing about GIS people is if you spend any amount of time with GIS people, they inevitably ask you, have you seen what we do in the shadows? Because I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's the only move. Uh, okay. So to back up, what we do in the shadows is this uh, Kiwi mockumentary by the Jermaine uh, from Flight of the Concords. And it's a mockumentary about very polite vampires oh i've seen the preview of it okay yes Mm -hmm. and there's this one character who's a gis analyst and the entire running joke throughout the movie is every time he has to explain what gis is and so inevitably like if you spend more than 30 minutes with a gis analyst they will turn to you like creepy exorcist head turn to you and say (laughs) have you seen what we do in the shadows (laughs) that's amazing uh um yeah i probably would have enjoyed that career path to some degree (laughs) um i left oil and gas to to work for the arts and landed my dream job we've already talked about it i worked at calgary opera um i landed that job and one of the engineers bless his fucking heart we were we were actually like this is again i didn't have a lot of engineer friends but like we we got along and we like we'd have the odd conversation i really liked this one dude he stood in my doorway after it was announced by email that jacqueline's leaving us it's her last day is this day she's going to work for calgary opera and it's a big deal this is a dream for her this is a dream job he 
stands in my doorway and he's like, Jacqueline, I don't know what to say. And I was like, you can say congratulations. <laughs> he thought I was throwing my life away because I was going to make no money. And it was like, don't you understand? I make no money in this position. I don't get paid like the rest of you. <laughs> but he's like, it was just, he could not wrap his head around me working for oil and gas and jumping ship to work for the arts. And I was like, this is not, it, to me, it was like, this is a no-brainer. This is actually the industry I'd much prefer to be in. But he just was like, what the fuck? I'm so worried for you that you were throwing your life away. See, that's so funny. Like, you can tell also this was post-0708 <laughs> crash, because the 0708 crash didn't, like, it screwed everybody else, but oil kind of just recovered. So Calgary mm -hmm. didn't suffer post-08 the way a lot of other cities did. Yeah. But... um the downturn did and so like people I used to work with who were you know master's level project managers with technical expertise are sculptors now or wow. just like people yeah like people who got let go they took their severance and they're like okay I'm gonna start a brewery I'm gonna start my own potting studio like I'm gonna do this mm. and there's a ton of people that I've seen who did get let go you know, put out their call on LinkedIn for a couple months. And then they finally said like, no, I'm starting my own business. I'm doing this. Um, I've seen a lot of people go from working on the, the proponent side to starting to work with First Nations to kind of have a say in, in how projects are um, preceded. So wow, I think like a lot of people that you get your engineering degree, you become a summer student at a oil and gas company, then they hire you on and then you work there until you die. Just yeah. isn't a thing anymore. No, it sure isn't. And like, I, I'm sure that you've seen all of the memes that are circulating about how, you know, millennials will, were fed the lie that get the education, you're going to get the good paying job. And that is not how it worked out for this generation whatsoever. And it has a lot to do with some shady wealth wealth practices from <clears throat> companies and perhaps the older generation um but uh yeah it's not it's not and so i remember having conversations with like again the geologists because those are who i would have the deep conversations with about how you know life satisfaction wasn't there but they felt that they had to fucking be doing this because this is what they were told. They had to like go to school, get the degree so that you can get the job. And now I have the job, but like, what is my life even? Um, and so I love, this is going to sound weird because I don't want to like, it, it sucks losing your job. I'm not saying that it doesn't. And like, I don't want you to be unemployed. I'm not saying, yeah, you got, you got to let go. Fuck yeah. But I like that something good has come out of it. For so many folks like being able to actually pursue something that is different for them and maybe more fucking fulfilling like brewery opening a brewery that sounds like you just said fuck it i'm gonna do this thing that i've dreamt about and that warms my goddamn heart it yeah it's i don't really participate in linkedin i have <laughs> linkedin i do not I anymore don't... i was like fuck it I, I don't totally understand it as a medium for interacting with other people. Like 
uh, if my company does something cool, I'll, set, I'll post it and be like, look at what we did, look at our press release. Please, blue chip hedge fund investors in New York, please buy my company stock so I can still work here next year. Because uh, <laughs> your LinkedIn <laughs> post, that'll make a difference. But yeah, like I don't understand LinkedIn's added like a story feature. Um, it's trying to go full like social media. And I'm like, that's not the purpose of LinkedIn. Like it's really no. back check my resume. I don't know. I, yeah. <laughs> exciting but I, I've watched I kind of enjoy um people watching on LinkedIn and you can watch people like somebody will announce like I'm now looking for a job and then kind of watch their journey over the next seven months as suddenly it becomes like I've started my own company or look at this mm. thing I made oh I also paint on the side interesting I still don't understand LinkedIn and mm. I did try a month of the free premium and then like an idiot I didn't use a prepaid visa that had no money on it I used my own visas and I had to pay for a month of premium and I don't oh. understand it and I really screwed the pooch on that <laughs> you gotta remember to, I if I sign up for trials I have to set like a reminder in my calendar cancel this like two days before it tries to charge me I used to uh, look I used to have a lot of prepaid visas because I'd get them as like this recognizing our colleagues thing from work. So uh -huh. then I just use one of them and you just pop it in. And if it has 15 cents on it, I don't really care. Yeah. Nice. I mean, I think that I'm makes cracking sense. down on that. Oh, that's too bad. Set a reminder, Donna, to cancel it because like it'll let you coast to the end of your free trial and then they just won't charge your card. Yeah, it was it was fine. It didn't do anything for me. I'm still trying to figure it out. Like I, I just email my old colleagues if I need something, if I want to chat with them. And right. And otherwise, I find LinkedIn is a lot of like recruiters sending you emails, and they'll. I don't feel bad. You can tease out who it is, but there's a certain pipeline under construction that constantly is sending out emails saying would you like a temporary position working in like either indigenous affairs or regulatory and I'm like no I have a like I have a full-time job why are, why are you contacting people who have a full-time job that kind of implies benefits with a term position mm. that they also rejected six months ago Ugh. I don't I had LinkedIn for a while when I became a hypnotherapist I was like, okay, I guess I have to get LinkedIn so that I can be out there. That was a mistake. And I took it down a couple, like a year ago because I was like, I, what, what benefit am I getting from this? I don't know why I bought into the fact that I needed LinkedIn. I don't fucking need LinkedIn. Um, and I just, I don't really like people looking at my shit. I just don't know that my work history needs to be on display it makes me uncomfortable like, I actually really uncomfortable all of, my, all of my descriptions so it just has my roles up there now because I used to actually have like this is what I did these are the projects I worked on I like x and y this and then I just took it down because I didn't have it up for my new position and I didn't really feel like remembering what I did and so I figured it was easier to just delete the old stuff I, I like LinkedIn in theory, um, mm -hmm. to me, it's like it's like a, a career glass slipper that, you know, you never know when the right opportunity is going to pick it up and, and uh -huh. be like, 
and connect you. That's never happened. I have not been swept away to a foreign nation to, <laughs> to do a environmental impact assessment in a jurisdiction I'm unfamiliar with. Yeah. <laughs> right? What the fuck? I mean, I don't, for me, I don't need networking in that way. Like, I'm not looking to have a career in a company, honestly, arts or otherwise. Like, that is not my goal here. I'm kind of, what I do is independent and I don't think that people are looking for hypnotherapists on LinkedIn. That's not, that's not the careers that are, you know, the, the prime target of whatever the fuck LinkedIn does. Um, so I would sometimes get added by other hypnotherapists trying to expand their network. And I'm like, I'm not here to do this either. I don't care. And I get all these fucking notifications in, by email. Cause I never logged in. Like I don't, I would never check it, but it was always bitching at me. Oh, this person viewed your profile. And I was like, look, I don't like knowing that someone's stalking me on the internet. Don't look at my shit. Oh, see, that was why I got the free month of premium so that I could then look at the, the profiles of the profiles that looked at me without them knowing it was me. Yep. Yep. I, I looked at premiums features once because I was like, I would like to just look at this particular person that I'm currently stalking on the internet <laughs> without them knowing, but I can't have them knowing. Um, so, but I, I did not bite for the free trial. I don't care enough about LinkedIn. Also is definitely stalking our shitty ass asshole former friend. Oh. <laughs> oh. And I don't need him knowing I was stalking him. Well, yeah. I mean, actually, no. Isn't the point of stalking to intimidate? I have no idea. I don't know. I like to sometimes know about people, but I don't want them to know that I spent time knowing about them and I don't need to know that someone else is also internet stalking me like we all internet stalk each other I don't think my husband doesn't but like <laughs> I don't I think that it's a very regular thing is like just gathering information on people that you know on the internet um honestly because- people at work sometimes call me just to like have me google things because I am such a creep like, I would one of the yeah. engineers would be like, Hey, we got this request from this company. Can you look at it? And I'll be like, Yeah, I've got it. Like, here's their mailbox address, here's their directors, uh, here's like their annual earnings, but it's estimated because they're not public. <laughs> yes. But okay, so someone's utilized they don't have that skill set, but they still want to know. So they're making you do it. People are internet stalking in direct ways and non-direct ways it's just a thing that we do because the information is there and i don't feel bad about internet stalking but i also just don't want to know when someone is internet stalking me and so oh i want you linkedin i I want all the power but see my brain goes why is this person looking at my shit they're judging me and then i imagine how they're judging me because I always think that, especially like specifically LinkedIn, that I'm being looked at negatively and I can't, I can't have that extra stress on my brain about like wondering if this person thought I was a dweeb or not. So <laughs> to just not have that. And it's the other thing is because I'm so fucking, I'm, I'm an intern, I'm a very small reach internet personality. I can't because have LinkedIn. Influencer. 
oh, is that what I'm called? <laughs> it's either micro-influencer or nano-influencer. I can't remember. Okay, well, I'm whatever that term is. Uh, am I? What is what is the criteria for that? Let's talk about that. I'm curious. Like, how, what is your yeah. following reach for that? I, I think that micro-influencer is like, you know, 50,000 followers. And then a nano influencer is like super, super niche. So like around 2000 followers, but say it's like a really, really um, niche thing, like modding duck boats. Okay. Like, so like a micro influencer is you're more like random person who you would be like, oh yeah, I'd buy Hello a Hello Chef from them or whatever. Am I, you said 50,000, I'm at 250,000. You are really thinking I know a lot more about the strata <laughs> of influencers. <laughs> I, I just want to, like, sometimes I'm like, where do I classify in, like, the food chain of the fucking internet? It's just a curiosity of mine. I think it's actually a little more linked to your engagement because it's easy to buy followers. So if you, it is, you could easily yeah. buy a bunch of followers. I'm not saying you do, but it's your no. engagement, your follower to engagement ratio. So if you have 10,000 followers, but consistently your, your reach is hitting like 30 to 40% of them. That's insane. Hmm. Okay. I don't know what my reach is right now. I did, see. And that's the thing is like, sure. I'm an internet personality ish, but like, I also, especially lately, I just have not been, I'm not in the internet game. I don't make money from it. I'm just kind of here at current and I don't, think of I don't look at analytics I haven't looked at analytics for a long ass time I've just looked at my count go up on TikTok and I'm like oh hey that's fucking wild um uh but uh I had a point to this oh that's it it's because I am a person that has eyes on me I know that I have been internet stalked. I have had people find my very personal private Instagram who messaged me. It was like, it wasn't hard because I know you have said the city that you live in and also that you're a hypnotherapist. And so I Googled that and I found you. And then I found all these details about you. And I was like, yeah, well, you can follow my personal Instagram. It's fine. Um, but these people who are upfront about it, we've kind of actually developed friendships because we're also like kind of nerdy people and we'll, we were talking anyway. And she, like this per particular person was like, Hey, yeah. So just so you know, it was not hard to do. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but so I know that people are looking for me and I just don't need my work experience that accessible to people who are internet randos that have taken up an interest in my fucking existence, which is also a weird thing to say, Donna, Saying this out loud makes me sound like conceited prick. And it's not my intention at all. It's weird. It's weird to say that. But you I do know. have a following. like, And it's actually kind of funny because uh, you have quite a substantial social media following. And I have a Twitter that auto deletes all my tweets after 90 days. And I think it's empty right now. What? Oh, my God. Wait, do you set that up or does it just do that on its own? Twitter. I have it set up. Oh. Why did you choose that? Because I was probably a dink 12 years ago when I set up my Twitter, but I didn't want to have to scroll all the way back through it to delete every awful thing I've said. That's fair. Remember when we got Twitter? Do you remember the reason? <laughs> because I just, I wanted to make sure no one else took my internet real estate. Like what if somebody else wanted Donna Venzi? 
Oh shit. Leave that. I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, every tweet you make deletes in 90 days. Yeah. So it's fine. Yeah. So all of my social media is just my name. And the reason for that is because I was like, what if someone else takes this? But literally no one else on the planet has this same name. It d- No one does. People have my name, but your name is not common whatsoever. Like I remember there was a period of time where we were constantly Googling our names <laughs> in quotations just to see like, and we were constantly coming up with only your shit when we Googled your name, but there was a child actor in some zombie movie. And there was a child that had a prosthetic arm and we share a name. <laughs> I don't know why I laughed at prosthetic arm. I'm sure like, I'm sure this is actually a great story. She plays violin. Oh. <laughs> so like the Jacqueline Barker's out there for sure. Um, there's a bunch of us. And so I have the, oh God, I'm going to get emails now. Um, I have the prime real estate email for my name from a certain email provider and so sometimes people can't enter their email correctly and they just automatically assume for some reason that they have the email address with just their name just the first and last name and I will get emails that they've signed up for so like somebody signed up for sonic milkshakes in the states for their milkshake rewards points and I got that email and I'm like this is not the Jacqueline that you're looking for and I'll get somebody one time entered their email incorrectly and they were trying to rent an apartment and I got all of this like the uh, landlord tried to contact me and I'm like listen I'm in Canada buddy (laughs) and you're in Missouri this is not the Jacqueline that you're looking for and then there was like another like this teacher this teacher's convention and they were prepping some sort of presentation and shit and in the states and I was like this is please stop sending me these emails I was trying to ignore them but there's a thousand of these and you're asking me to like contribute my portion you're talking the wrong Jacqueline my friend and then the worst one was some girl didn't know how to input her friend's email correctly and sent this picture of her brother who was a football player to all of her girlfriends and was like he's gonna be a heartbreaker and I was like I do not need to look at it I was so upset I know it was so fucking weird I was so upset Donna I can't even tell you I was like why is this coming to me no 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 I'm an adult don't send me this this is upsetting who says this about their brother right right I was like I think you need to check your friend's email right the fuck now like don't send this ever again oh one time I was also involved in I I was getting emails about like a sewing bee for a drama class costume department in a high school in the states they were like okay well you need to come and help us sew and I'm like no I don't please stop why do people not know their own email okay so this popped up on reddit the other day i think it was like an ask reddit thread and somebody was conveying one of those stories where this lady like gave them an email address that wouldn't work Mm -hmm. and she just thought that by saying the email address like that's how you made it exist what no fucking way that's wild 
yet. So I kind of am under the assumption that this, like some, some people, and I realize that I should not be throwing stones in my glass house. Some <laughs> people are not very technologically literate. This goes back to what we were talking about earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I think if you have had your email addresses like generated for you at school or you got assigned one like I I never chose my email address when I went to university they just gave it to me mm-hmm. is signing up for an email address just not a thing anymore do you just get one with your internet provider and like that's it maybe I mean you definitely get one with your internet provider you can choose to get one because I we don't have one with our internet provider Paul might he might have transferred the one that his father set up for him back when they first uh, got the internet from this internet provider we had to have yeah it was like a transfer a legacy transfer uh-huh. um because way back in the day in calgary there used to be the god of internet providers cad vision and oh <laughs> we had cad vision internet and we all had cad vision emails and then like i remember the sadness of the day that cad vision got bought by Shaw and then we became a Shaw family and then now I have had to transfer my email from my father to me (laughs) and I don't use it right I think it's actually the email address I have that's linked to my LinkedIn account and it's linked to a couple of old bulletin boards that I used like 15 years ago Mm -hmm. and I think I also get a bunch of spam from Calgary Opera there but I also get those promo emails at my usual account right My my parents still are in control of my legacy email because I haven't given a shit about it to transfer it. Sometimes my mother will be like, this email came in for you because it's all attached to their stupid Outlook inbox. This person is looking for you. And I'm like, mom, it's spam. She hasn't done this in a long ass time. But like when I first moved out, I'd get these messages from her about emails that came in and like I don't think that it's anything that I'm concerned about at all like that email address hasn't been used for over a decade it's fine it probably just gets spam now it's fine but uh I don't care enough about it they can keep it that's fair I don't even log into my account I just have internet because there's only so many places you can get internet from in this this town. And much like how I was always a Toyota family, I just follow what my parents did. <laughs> uh, we've bounced back and forth between the two major internet providers in the city. I don't know. I, I think Paul felt the deal with one of the companies was better at one point, And then we had to move. And we just were like, fuck it, we'll switch it to this one. It's better now here. Oh, see, I always just call and I'm like, hey, um, can I get the new deal? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, then I'll cancel and I'll go get the new deal at, at TELUS. And they're like, okay, then you can have the new deal. <laughs> we're not, we are not paying enough attention to like what the new deal is half the time. We did get a trial of TV cable with it because they really push those fucking cable packages with your internet because cable is a dying art and um we had cable for a couple months 
And then Paul finally was like, just fucking cancel it. We don't need this. We never watch it. We did. They did give us the game show network. And surprisingly, we did watch that a lot. Like we watched Family Feud a lot. No, not. Yeah, it was Family Feud. We really enjoy Family Feud. And then after several weeks of watching the game show channel, all of a sudden it was no longer a part of our package because they wanted to push us to pay for the game show channel because it was all we watched. And we just didn't have it anymore. And we're like, fuck you, Shaw. You think you got us. You don't. <laughs> I always turn it down because I'm like, I don't I don't want to have to go to Schnook Mall to go pick up my cable box. Like, none of this sounds like something I want to do. So they brought it to our house. To cable. Oh, yeah. But I still don't want it. Still don't want it. But <laughs> Commercials. Uh, we, did get, we did get like an antenna. Which I think really was more just a science experiment for my partner. But yep. uh, he put he hooked it up, and for a couple of months, we got TV. We got, like, CBC, CTV, a channel that seemed to always be playing Big Bang Theory and Filipino church TV. Wow. What? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't uh-huh. know if it's maybe because um, we're, we're in a lower part of the city, so we don't get a lot of the signals. And then also Maybe. we're in a very dense part of the city. So there's a lot of frequencies, but um, none of it was stuff that I needed to keep. Like if I want to watch Still Standing, I'm going to just watch the CBC app. Fair. It's, and that's the thing, right? Like cable is truly obsolete at this point. And I don't want to watch commercials. Like I don't need to see commercials. The only thing that I would like to, like to actually have access to is the stupid reality tv show singing competitions i want to watch the masked singer because it's so oh, dumb eurovision's on like the nbc yeah. oh really yeah well eurovision's finals were last night um um my youtube algorithm has gone off the rails recently mm-hmm. uh, i think it's because Actually, I'm just going to blame Daryl, but it's recently gotten really into Tommy Cash, who is an Armenian hip hop artist that used to tour with Little Big. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. It's been playing a lot of like recent Eurovision hits. Huh. And but my my YouTube algorithm is drunk, so it's like Tommy Cash, and then it will be like you feel like listening to Godsmack. Now you want to listen to Jimmy Eat World. Then we're going to listen to some Eurovision, and then The Gambler. Like, there's no flow. No, that sounds really Cause, disjointed. Because you just hit like YouTube music just has this like your mega mix, mm-hmm. and I enjoy chaos. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. And I would say that it truly is chaotic neutral. Like your YouTube huh. mega mix is chaotic neutral. And it, it it tells on you. I'm like, how on? Like, why are you making me listen to Jimmy Eat World? What have I done? But then I'm like, I'm not mad. This actually kind of makes me think of high school. <laughs> uh, my YouTube mega mix is not that at all. <laughs> but I've I've mostly just been listening to like chill hop in the background. So or like chill hop versions of Studio Ghibli songs from Studio Ghibli films to like spirited away background music, but chill hop style. 
or like my neighbor Totoro chill hop style and then video games chill hop style so like the legend of zelda chill hop style and also a little bit of um what are what is their name they did that two dots song you said yes so sometimes i listen to them in the background because they're good for the background um and then like a little bit of florence and the machine and i've been on this really ridiculous kick of listening to j-pop but specifically like anime j-pop because i want to live my life like i'm a magical girl and so to bring that magical girl aesthetic there's been a lot of card capture sakura and a lot of sailor moon theme songs and so it's just like this weird mix of chill hop studio ghibli style j-pop sailor moon and then florence and the machine uh so I went through, and I referenced this in my bio on the website, uh, I went through my five-year annual cycle where I listened to the Joshua Tree by U2 <laughs> on repeat for about four or five days in a row. And like, thank God I have earbuds because Daryl would leave me. And uh, so I did want to ask you about this, Donna. Tell me, like, why does this happen? Tell me more about the process here. I'm intrigued. I Honestly... It, on about a five-year annual frequency, I will start thinking about the song Running to Standstill, which is uh-huh. the fifth song on the Joshua Tree. Uh, <laughs> it's a song about being addicted to heroin in Belfast in the 1960s. But for some reason, I just start obsessively thinking about that song. And so then I'll listen to it. And then I'll be like, this is a great album. And then I'll just listen to Joshua Tree several times in a row, except I always skip ahead of one minute and 20 seconds in where the streets have no name because my God, that intro is tedious. But even though I did this recently, <gasps> like YouTube has taken this into account into my mega mix, but because mm-hmm. YouTube, um, I honestly don't know who makes their algorithm and I'm sure that they are a very smart person, but the AI isn't there because they're like, you know what you two you want to listen to? YouTube released after the year 2000, which nobody wants to listen to. No. When was you loved that song Electrical Storm? When yes, was that, that came out released? in 2003? That was from their greatest hits album. And Electrical Storm is the exception. The exception. I also don't hate the song they did for Tomb Raider, but they did a song it, for Tomb Raider? Yes, it's called Elevation and it's got a video where the edge basically like is a superhero. This is somewhere... not a superhero, an action hero. This is like somewhere in my memory banks. I vaguely have a recollection of this. Huh. Okay. I feel like there's a draft in the video, but then like maybe I'm thinking of the real world video by Matchbox 20, which is completely unlike the Elevation video. <laughs> but visually, there was a certain 90s aesthetic in music videos. Yeah, like everything's blue. Yep. So it could just be that they're bleeding together for that reason. They're just the same aesthetic. Yeah. Huh. I'm in, I'm fascinated by this like five-year U2 rabbit hole, but specifically the Joshua Tree album. Yeah. I don't know that I have specific albums that I do that to. Like I'll go back and listen to albums and then like reminisce about the time that I was like obsessed with them. 
Um, but I don't think I do it in such a very pointed and deliberate way. However, I video games. There's a specific video game that I'm actually like keep thinking about right now and I can't stop thinking about it. and it's about a five year period, maybe six or seven. But there is like a chunk of time that I will go and then all of a sudden it's like I had fucking play this and it's the original Paper Mario on the N64. And right now I can't the Switch doesn't have it and I'm really upset because I'm just jonesing to play this stupid video game and I can't stop thinking about it. It's been about a month where I can't stop thinking about it because I'm about due for my like X amount of year replay. So I have this. <laughs> you don't see how hard Donna's laughing because she's keeping it on the down low, but she's dying. Like she's <laughs> are you breathing still, Donna? <laughs> I'm just wondering if everybody has some sort of werewolf cycle that it could uh... be. <laughs> Cause Paper Mario is mine for sure. <laughs> It could be. Internet, <laughs> tell us, is there something like whether it be music, video games or something else? Is there or like a TV series? Maybe that's it. That like all of a sudden on like five to seven year cycle, you just are like, I fucking need this thing. I need to I need to ingest this type of media, this thing, the specific very one thing, because like I I will pull out a device that has paper Mario loaded on it. Like I will, I will go out of my way pretty soon here to fucking play that game. I think it's the self care you need. <laughs> You're not wrong. I was playing like, the new one and it doesn't hold up. This is making me wonder now. Um, so Jacqueline and I, we've had this discussion a lot in our friendship. Mm -hmm. We're not really top 10 people. Mm -hmm. um we don't think you can ever list your top 10 albums and like that's it um because they change and mm -hmm. and uh for our younger listeners albums are fuck off no <laughs> people know what <laughs> albums are <laughs> albums still get released donna they're oh, yeah, not Tal physical <laughs> taylor swift released one last year but I, I i do think like listening to an album from start to finish is less common now than it used to be yes because it used to be like mm -hmm. you'd go buy a CD and you'd be hanging up your friends and you'd be like, let's go sit in your parents' basement and listen to this listen. album. Yeah. And albums were really designed to be, or like the best type of album was designed to be a fucking journey, right? Like from start yeah. to finish, there's a flow to it. And there were a lot of albums, especially when we were in university, a lot of albums were, um, or artists were experimenting with the idea of an album that flows from track to track, sort of like how Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club does. Like, mm -hmm. I think specifically the Dandy Warhols, uh, the one with Bohemian Like You on it, I think that album, and even though it's a lot of different influences, it's like one long continuous song. I don't remember listening through that album. I don't know if I have actually. Huh. Well, there you go. You can listen to the Dandy Warhols and be so cool. Like it's 2003. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So top tens. We don't have top 10 lists. We have like top 10 influential or not even top 10, like 10 influential albums or like albums you need to listen to, to understand us or yes. each of us, because we do have slightly divergent music taste. 
Yes. And I don't even know that Joshua Tree would be on that list. I don't think you learn much about me from listening to Joshua Tree. Huh. I think it's just a technically good album. Or it's like like a shadow self thing. Okay, but... Hmm. So I think it does it come down to like your concept of what that list is. So like, yeah. does it have to be something that you learn about who you are, or is it just like this resonates with me? I had my werewolf cycle for some reason. No, I think for me with that list, it's actually like there's there's albums on there that aren't good. Um, like yeah. Veruca Salt, Eight Arms to Hold You, that's on there. I don't think that's really a great album, but that definitely encapsulates a lot of junior high Donna angst or um, Jagged Little Pill. I don't listen to a lot, but Jagged Little Pill was one of those albums. It's like, it's okay to be angry and it's okay to like, Mm. let people know how disappointed you are. Mm. Such a classic fucking album. Like say what you will about the rest of her body of work, but like Jagged Little Pill. Oh, Alanis, Alanis. 90s Alanis. I like, I, I think Alanis lost me around um, that song where she wrote all the letters to her ex-boyfriends. Dear Marcus. Oh, crap. I don't even remember that. Huh. I mean, clearly not good Alanis era. Yeah. No, like Jagged Little Pill. I think it'd be hard to find a woman our age who isn't like Jagged Little Pill. That's true. That's true. It was so, like, we were in... I think I was in grade five. We were in grade five when that came out, but it just, it was so huge. Yeah. Um, now I'm thinking about my list. I haven't thought about this list in a very long time. I think I need to like revisit it because it's shifted a little bit. Is that something that we think about for the next episode? Oh my God. Yes. Let's do that. That's fun. Oh, yeah. Now it, to it oh, fuck. I'm excited. This is like a homework. And then we'll put it in the show notes on the website. Oh man, I really need to sit down and think about this because I haven't for like when we when we originally had a podcast about music back in the mid two thousands. That's the last time I think I really thought about this because like we when we were still making mix CDs. That's about the time yeah. that this was at the top of our brains it's changed my list has changed yeah and I think it always will and that's kind of the point is and and it takes away a lot of the responsibility as as well as having a top 10 list because I think the thing that always frustrated me about top 10 lists is I'm like yeah I can say that my 10 favorite albums are like Abbey Road and uh now I can't think of a single great album (laughs) (laughs) But like I, I can say like all of my favorite albums are these, my top tens are these towering juggernauts of artistry. But like Panic at the Disco is something that I listen to more frequently. And yeah. that album, I want to say it's the Nine in the Afternoon album. That mm-hmm. to me is like such a special album because that came out. That was me burping, not starting to cry. Um, <laughs> Thank you. That, for- that, that album came out when you were living on Vancouver Island and it's like yeah. the longest period of time we ever spread apart in our lives <laughs> until quarantine. <laughs> I remember like, you sent me a copy of it with like a stick figured album <laughs> cover because it was a like, no, don't copy. tell them that one. Don't tell them that one. <laughs> 
it was temporary and then I paid for it later <laughs> but it was sweet yeah and like that's the thing is that that album is essentially just a love letter to the Beatles mm-hmm. so I should be choosing Abbey Road or I should be choosing um Sergeant Pepper as my top 10 because that's the original inspiration but I'm like I have the emotional connection to that album right and that and album it- really represents a part of my life Absolutely. And the, the emotional connection, honest to God, is what counts, right? Like that is that is what drives us. Like, and as far as, you know, music that's been inspired by that which came before us, we are in essence, we are that too, right? Like it's we are the reinterpretation of the stuff that was established. Does that make sense? Like I feel I like like we're almost like origami of ourselves. Like well, every year is a new fold and a new shape emerges and maybe something else has to fit that shape. Yeah. And it, it's like, as far as, you know, you could keep returning to the classics, but it doesn't do anything new with it. And you are connecting with this something that is inspired, but it is also an evolution of the groundwork that was laid by those previous albums. And I think that there's something to be said and to be celebrated within that. So like, yeah, sure, you should be choosing the original classics. But you know what? This is an evolution of that thing. And that's good, too. So this is back to the YouTube algorithm. Um, Yesterday, it decided to play Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. Oh, my. uh, So my partner is... uh, more into industrial and electronica he does not like classic rock and i don't even know why youtube chose to do this because i'm like i don't even think i'd ever heard cashmere until i was an adult and in fact when i heard it i was like this is the riff from the song from the godzilla movie (laughs) (laughs) and intellectually like i always knew it was a led zeppelin riff i just didn't realize it was from this particular song (laughs) fair and like you as far as things go, you're not like heavy into classic rock either. So I don't know why YouTube algorithm did this to you. <laughs> I've been watching Supernatural. Um, uh-huh. That's kind of my comfort show. So I'm just zooming through Supernatural. It's gotten to the really bad season where they have like the meta episode where they are on their own TV show. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, so I don't know if maybe YouTube has picked that up. But I'm like, I'm watching it on Prime. So they shouldn't be talking to each other. No. But, but God knows. Supernatural is the only thing in my life that has a lot of classic rock in it. Hmm. Interesting. I got nothing. I got nothing. That's weird. Anyway, so this riff from Godzilla. And like, now that I'm saying this, I almost think it's, 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 it's not even a song that was written for Godzilla. It's like a rap song. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I have a lot of strong feelings against ever listening to classic rock because it was the music of my oppressors. And so uh, <laughs> I have a lot of fucking feelings and it it conjures a lot of uncomfortableness in me. So I don't listen to music from a classic rock from the 50s, 60s, 70s, because it is too much. Maybe not less the 50s, but certainly 60s and 70s. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Sonic Rock from the 50s. Is that like Chuck Berry? When was Presley? The 50s. Okay, well then the 50s. All right. So Elvis Presley, 
that era is also in there for me. So, yeah. Um, so I don't have any insight whatsoever on this Led Zeppelin song. I, with my band, we cover Stairway to Heaven, but mostly because it's the violins, the violin will do the, the, the solo. And that's kind of fucking cool to do it that way. Um, <clears throat> also, it is a fun song to sing. So I'm coming around. I come around if I can reinterpret things a little bit. But my guitarist is always like, we should do this classic rock song. And I'm like, no, no. Uh, could, could you guys do Don't Fear the Reaper? I'd be super into that. <laughs> Kirk would like that, I'm sure. And I'm always just like, no. no. Come on. Come on. That's right up your alley. But it isn't, it isn't, because I have to to learn it, because I just, like, these songs, I've heard them all, but I block them out. So I, I, like, to have to learn it, I have to listen to it several times and, like, uncomfortable with that. Stairway was an exception, but because the only reason I learned Stairway was because at a tribute to Led Zeppelin, um, when they were being inducted to the Music Hall of Fame, the women of heart covered it for this presentation and Garv sent it to me. And I was like, Holy shit, that's amazing. He's like, you could sing that. And I was like, I like this version of this. And that's the only reason I was able to like listen to and learn stairway. So TLDR, I have some feelings about this very popular genre of music, um, but to each their own. I mean, if you like it, you like it. I just don't for reasons. You don't have to like all music. It's funny. It's funny because this goes back to like, I've been talking about how the less than and worthiness thing would always crop up. I always felt stupid for not listening, like liking this very widely renowned genre of music. And somehow, because I was like, no, let me just sit in the corner and listen to my opera, that the opera was less than. Um, and that this is the superior stuff. And somehow I'm missing the mark. And so that's why I feel like I have to apologize for not liking it. I think it comes down to whether or not you give something a try. And you had a childhood of infinite tries of this music. And you also, the, the try is linked to trauma in your mind. So it, it it's not like you know when somebody just kind of says off the bat, like, I like every genre except country and rap, and you're like, okay, so I know that you probably don't. You probably like one very narrow, specific thing, and it's probably screamo. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, it's fine to not like a, most of a genre or to just have a link to it that is unpleasant for you. So yeah. if you don't feel like unpacking your feelings, you just want to listen to a song and chill out, you're not going to listen to Kansas. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, and it and it was also because that was the only thing we were ever gonna listen to, and it then in comparison, I was like, "But could we listen to this?" And it was just shit upon. And I was told, I was directly told that the music that I liked sucked, and so <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, you you raise a good point that like it's okay, and I get that, but. It's still the just like insecurities around, oh God, what I listen to is dumb. And also, I fucking hate the Beatles. <laughs> Flame me if you want. 
I hate them. But I also going back to and you we've had this discussion because I know how much you love the Beatles and you have always been like, what the fuck, Jacqueline? (laughs) (laughs) But I understand how influential they are and I appreciate them from that point of view. You can't listen to them. And that's fair. Like my partner doesn't like them either. Like uh, in terms of musical overlap in our relationship there is one song that we both came into the relationship both liking and it was informer by snow (laughs) (laughs) of all the things it's informer by snow (laughs) we love we love informer we love informer so much um oh oh, i know i've referred i've referred to daryl's my husband and previously but we're we're partners we're common law and uh, if we ever do get married and have a ceremony, that's our exit. <laughs> oh, ooh, can my band cover that for you guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you can do the accordion version from uh, Last Man on Earth. Hey, bitch, I have an accordion that I can barely play. <laughs> I can figure it out for you. <laughs> but yeah, so, so, so Dara, like we... We did not have the same music taste at all. He likes mm-hmm. electronica and industrial. I'm more rock, pop, uh, classical. The classical is also a bit of the weird overlap between the two of us because so many electronica and industrial artists are classically mm. trained. Yes, of course. Yeah, so that makes sense. He will occasionally just whip out some really random ass knowledge about like classical music brands. And I'm like, how do you know that? And he's like, oh, well, like I follow Sophie Tucker. <laughs> that delights me. <laughs> and, and he did teach me a lot of appreciation for electronica and industrial. Like we went to the Terminus Festival a few years ago, which is an industrial festival in Calgary. We saw VNV Nation, which like I didn't know was such a big deal. People drove all the way from Regina to see them. Oh which wow, is cool. Ours. <laughs> he huh. did not go to the last tragically hit concert with me because I was like this should go to someone who will actually appreciate it. Yeah, that's fair. Who did you go with? Kev. Nice. I did not go to their last tour. And I, I don't know if I regret it or not. I mean, fuck, I do love the Tragically Hip. And like Gordon Downey will always be near and dear to my heart. So it was odd so kevin and i weren't able to get tickets together he was mm-hmm. down um kind of by the orchestra and i was further up so i wound up holding hands with a totally random guy during scared because wow. i and he had never heard it live and we're like this is we're so lucky like neither of us ever thought we did ever hear this that's beautiful and uh it was it was just very strange. So a- anybody outside Canada might not necessarily know who the Tragically Hip are. They're a very popular band in, in Canada. And uh, the lead singer passed away from cancer two years ago. Mm-hmm. And this final tour, um, they have this one song called Courage. And the second verse is a, it's like a paragraph from a human Lennon novel. And you're in a stadium with 20,000 other people and 20,000 people are singing Hugh McLennan lyrics back to Gord Downey. And you're just like, this is the most bizarre and the most Canadian thing I can imagine. Absolutely. Ah, Like that final concert they had, we were at a 
bachelorette party that night. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, and so I had to get my husband or I had to get my partner to record it for me. But just watching their final concert was in Kingston, their hometown, and there were probably like a hundred thousand people just swarming outside that concert. Oh my god! It was absolutely like one of the most moving and like positive Canadian things because I do get verklempt at things like Remembrance Day ceremonies, but they're so intangibly linked to horror. Yeah. And this was just this outflowing of positivity. And this was like, this is our band and we love you. Mm -mm. Oh, it's, and I guess it's hard to describe the influence of the Tragically Hip to like someone who is not Canadian, who has not really encountered that, which is Gordon Downey, because Gordon Downey is really, was really the driver there as to why like he wrote the lyrics. He is the one who was always like, he's the one who would talk about the beauty of this country. And it was so steeped within their music was just this Canadiana. Um, I've heard him described as our national poet. And I think yes. that's the right phrase. And yeah. um, remind me of this for the show notes. There's this really great article that I sent to you a couple months ago by this I woman was... who immigrated to Canada like around the time Gord Downey died. And she she just kept seeing the t-shirts and finally listened to the music. And her article, her article is just beautiful the way she described it. Yeah. When and we I, when when we started talking about this, I was like, this is good. I'm gonna pull that article for the show notes because just so that it's like you kind of get an idea of like what the fuck the tragically hip means to this country yeah and so like i know they recently performed with feist and i've received Mm -hmm. a notice that they've released a new album but i haven't i can't bring myself to look at it and i know you really like feist but i don't i don't know that i love the idea of feist leading the tragically hip i'd almost wish that they would retire the name yeah I had no idea that this happened. I think I might listen to the album because I'm curious, but it. Huh. I, I, I don't. I, I don't know who sings on the album. I just it's a notification on my phone that I haven't tapped because sometimes I just let my notifications build up, so I don't deal with them. That's fair. They are on TikTok now. The tragically hip. I'm following them. Rob Baker is basically playing guitar and asking people to sing classic hip songs as duets, and so he started with ahead by a century um and yeah people are just duetting him on tiktok and i keep because i follow it now i keep getting notifications of like the tragically hip just posted a new tiktok video and it's just it's weird to see it's weird i haven't gone to watch any of the new ones but i i know that they did ahead by a century it, it does feel really weird because you do feel like you know these guys mm. and it's like above and beyond but gored with such a figurehead for them yeah and it, it's like imagining you two without bono regardless of how you feel about bono but is it still even though you, you know too. like it's larry adam the edge and then bono yeah is it still you two without him yeah 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 and i mean i think from the band's perspective they are still very much the tragically hit right and so yeah it makes sense to them but then to the folks that 
our fans and are consuming their their music it's not the same because gordon downey was so much the hit right yeah huh interesting it's very interesting um it is 1206 i feel like I we, we have a show i think we have a show beautiful um so uh thanks for listening everyone um please do check out donnajacklinpodcast.com i'm apparently jean ralphio from <laughs> parks and rec uh <laughs> so it's please visit our website if you would like to look at the show notes for every episode there will be links to shit we talk about if for some reason i do not provide more detail on a subject that you thought that you that i should just dm me on our instagram which is donna and jacqueline on instagram i'll be able to pick it up there and i will fucking fix my error is um, our instagram donna and jacqueline yeah it is it's not donna jacqueline podcast because it was before I bought the domain for it, and it was just like I'm gonna throw this up. So it's Donna and Jacqueline. Yes, there are. It's D O N N A A N D, and then my name. But there's two A's. <laughs> I spelled that out to point out that there's two A's back to back. <laughs> um, also, because we didn't, and I promised her. Hi, Maria. Hi. <laughs> and um, with that, yeah. Bye. Bye.